Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Andre Luciano. Andre, where are you at, and what are you up to? Uh, I am in uh, Las Vegas. This is uh, this is home. So I'm uh, currently uh, working with uh, Sports Recruiting USA on a full-time basis, doing player evaluation and placements, uh, dabble a little bit on the, uh, on the club side of things, and then uh, just enjoying – being a, a, a former college coach and having some downtime. So what is it that you enjoy so much about now kind of that new career change of going into recruiting? You know, I think the, uh, the big thing is that, you know, I, I feel like I'm actually providing really quality information and content for people to kind of jump into in terms of the education side of it. And then, you know, the reward is always the placement side of it. You know, when you're able to go out and actually uh, help a kid find a, a school that they're really, you know, happy about. And, and when they, you know, text you and say, hey, I just committed to such and such school. It, there's a lot of rewards, you know, that come out of that. Whereas, you know, I think beforehand, it was always such a grind, these battles to win games, to recruit, to always be on. And, you know, now I can kind of just sit back a little bit and, and just taken in uh, as a as a I guess a fan of the game and watch the game just for the sake of watching the game when I need to and then to uh to look at some kids and go hey you know I think these are things that you can work on that you can get a little bit better that'll give you a better opportunity later on and really sitting down with the families and and, and helping them understand the whole college process because it's it's a lot there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of things parents don't know and and I think that I can I can provide a you know, a, a good, a good amount of information for them. What has it been like going from all the nonstop of coaching to now? Like what's it, how do you see the game differently now being on the recruiting side versus on the coaching side? Well, I think, you know, I think the difference is that you, you know, whatever level that you're coaching, uh, whether it be division one, division two, II, division three, NIA, junior college, you know, you're, you're always recruiting to try to elevate your program to a, to a higher standard, you know? And so like for myself, I, you know, I spent uh, 18 years at a mid-major as a division one coach at a mid-major. And, you know, we, we knew that we weren't going to go probably get the top, top power five kids. And so we're always trying to elevate our, our own programs in the way that we thought we could actually recruit a player and, and get a player. And so for me now to sit back and watch a game and go, oh man, this kid's really good. You know, this is, this kid's got a, a high ceiling to them. And, and it's just nice sometimes just to not have to sit there and, and have a notepad and, and, you know, try to take notes on 22 players and just dial in on the one kid that you're working with. I kind of enjoy that a little bit more because I can really break down the things that, you know, I feel like they could, uh, you know, they can improve on the things that they're really good at and, uh, and not look at it from, Hey, what is it about my program? That's going to benefit off of this kid, but it's really, it's like, you know, what is it about this kid in particular that's going to help a, a, a program and depending on the different levels. So, you know, I can, I can actually just relax a little bit more. Uh, I really like the interactions with the college coaches on the sideline. I've always liked that. And so, to, you know, sit down and kind of get an idea of what the current trends are, what's going through these coaches' heads in terms of like what's coming down the pipeline. And, 
you know, now I'm just, I have a little bit less filter. I, I just speak my mind now I, and, and I really don't care, you know? And so it, it's, it's, it's good, you know? So it's like, it's, it's, you've got me unfiltered now, which is a little bit better. So when did the love of soccer begin for Andre? Were you playing as a youth? Like when did all this kind of start? Uh, well, let's see. I'll kind of give you a, a quick timeline. So I was born in Italy. Uh, I was raised in Brazil for 12 years. Uh, my, my grandfather and my mom's fam, my whole mom's fam, side of the family, we, uh, they're Slovaks. And my grandfather was in, involved in, uh, you know, in, in the game in, in Czechoslovakia. My great uncle uh, was a professional player in Czechoslovakia. And when I lived in Brazil, you know, I literally was three blocks from uh, Mudumbi Stadium, which is where Sao Paulo Football Club uh, you know, has their home field. And I was part of their, their, their club in terms of the, the actual club aspect of it, but I wasn't part of their, their teams, but I was always around the game. So, you know, I, I moved a lot back and forth between the U S and Brazil. And so I was always like, Hey, you're the American kid, you know, and you're involved around the game. And my, my love for the game was developed through just watching the beautiful game, how, I felt like it should always be played like the Brazilian style. Right. So like that 82, 82 world cup team that, you know, Brazil, Brazil's world cup team. That's like the, the team that made me completely fall in love with soccer. But uh, you know, and I think just experiencing the game from a, from a different perspective, like how much the game means to the casual fan uh, really has, has made a big difference in my life. Cause I, I get it. It's, you know, for some people it's, the best thing and the worst thing that happens all week for them is, is the game, the end result, you know? What about, I was going to ask, what is the difference between that people don't really understand when they, when you talk about how like Brazil soccer is like religion versus how it here it is in the States. What does like a week leading up to a big game, what's that like in the neighborhoods of Brazil? Well, you know, it's, uh, Depends on where where you're uh, where you're sitting in the standings, and <laughs> you know, and 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 in Brazil and São Paulo, like the dynamics of it are, are so different. Like you know, you got a club like Palmeiras, which is like a, a total Italian backed club. Like that's that's a team that I you know always cheered for because that's like if you're an Italian, that's who you cheer for, you know. And then you've got Corinthians, which is like the people's team, you know. And then you have SPFC, Sao Paulo Football Club, which is a little, you know, a little bit more of an upscale area of Sao Paulo. And so everything, you know, it's generated in the neighborhoods and it's reflective of the neighborhoods that people come from, the barrios, you know, that you come from. And so, you know, who you are as a person, you know, is directly tied into the club that you support based on who you are as a, you know, as as, as a human being, you know, where do you live? Where do you work? You know, who's your family cheer for? What's your socioeconomic background? All of those things are a factor in, in, in Brazil, you know, and it's, and it's not a, you know, it's not something that's fabricated through marketing. It's just organically, it just happens because that's who you are. That's your club that you support, you know, and, and then you fall in love with these certain players like my generation, you know, Socrates and Zico and, and, and Eder and, and, you know, junior, like these, these guys that like, I just worship as a, as a little kid, you know, th those are the things that, you know, stick, stick in my mind the most, you know, and, and 
obviously, you know, Pelé was like, you know, it's, it's, it's everything. It meant everything. Right. So that's, that's where kind of, you know, the difference is, is here. I think it's a little bit more from a marketing standpoint, you know, that you have to market teams and it's what the TV marketing does for your support of a team. And, 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 you know, so it, it's, there's just a huge, vast difference. And honestly, like I remember in 82, like this will vividly stick in my mind, people committing suicide after the 82 loss, you know, like just, it was crazy, you know, cause your, your social economic background, you know, the country doesn't have much If a country doesn't have much going for it at the time. They're, you know, they're living their dreams through that team and, you know, what, you know, how, how much worse can, how much worse can my life be or how much greater can my life be is based on this game. And, you know, now it's like, Oh, okay. If I don't have Apple TV, I don't watch the game, you know? <laughs> so it's totally different. So you have this amazing youth experience. How long are you in Brazil? Do you end up playing like in, in high school level or do you end up coming to the States? So I never played organized soccer until my freshman year in high school. Hmm. And, you know, I just, it wasn't in my parents' wheelhouse to understand anything about, you know, I, my mom and I moved from Brazil together here uh, in 80, I think it was 80, 82. And, you know, I, I just wasn't exposed to youth, youth participation in club sports. It just, we didn't know anything about that. And so I went through like a period of three or four years where I wasn't involved in anything from sixth grade all the way through, you know, freshman year. And uh, I think they had like PE pickup, right? And we're playing PE. And this coach is like, hey, you know, you're, you're okay. You know, what, have you ever played? And I'm like, well, I grew up in Brazil. And they're like, okay. But mind you, I'm going to tell you this. Like, so in high school, no one ever thought I was an athlete. You know, there's like, no way. This guy's got long hair. He listens to like <laughs> Judas Priest and metal, you know? And so I wasn't your, your, your typical, like, Hey, he's an athlete. It was just a coach saying to me, Hey, you know, you want to, you want to come out and try out. And I did. And, uh, but I always had a knack for being a goalkeeper. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because like I played team handball when I was younger and, and different things, even in Brazil, I always like loved being a goalkeeper. And so I got lucky because my freshman year, you know, I got on the JV team. I was like, as a freshman and the, and the varsity goalkeeper, became ineligible and then all of a sudden i had to step in as a you know first time ever you know an organized soccer uh i had to be a, a varsity goalkeeper of the number three team ranked uh team in the country you know and so that was it you know i, I had some really good mentors and got really lucky i was at the right place at the right time what was the transition like when you go from soccer crazed brazil to a period of three, four years, what what was that transition like when you go from like chaos and just chaos, like craziness for soccer to I'm not sure what I'm going to do right now for the next couple of years? Well, I just remember like trying to watch World Cup games and you couldn't watch World Cup games, you know, and the only thing that you got on TV was, you know, on Sunday it was soccer made in Germany. That's, you know, that was like the highlights. And you would see like an hour of, you know, highlights of the Bundesliga. And that was it. That's the only thing that was on TV. And so for me, I was like, just shocked that, you know, you, you couldn't watch it on TV. 
and about that time, the NASL had kind of started folding, you know, so just like that, the, the vibe of the country kind of just, you know, dropped a little bit. And then I remember in Vegas, you know, they had the Quicksilvers uh, and then uh, in the uh, MISL, the Missile League, the Indoor League, the Las Vegas Americans. And so I started watching a lot of indoor for the two years that they were here. And I'm like, oh, this is this is I guess it's the soccer in the United States. Right. You just this is what it really, you know, in an arena and you're playing indoor. And so. You know, like, so I guess that that three year, four year period, it just was never around me. And so I, I didn't I had zero thought about playing, you know, the game. So you play basketball, you play football, you know, you try to just as a as a, you know, as a, you know, like as a as a person from another country coming in, you're just trying to assimilate as much as you can. And uh, and luckily in high school, you know, I was around a, a group of guys that played and that kind of got that transition going and they kind of said yeah we have leagues and we have different things i didn't even know about that stuff i had zero clue i mean i was you know i used to be at skateboard park and you know roller skating rinks and bmx bikes and that that was like my that was my shtick so just from beyond the coach saying hey i think you might be a good fit for our soccer team what made the transition to being a varsity goalkeeper what made that step kind of maybe i guess work in a way that has now brought you to where you're at now uh i had really good players in front of me <laughs> you know because we, we we won a lot and uh but i i just had a knack for uh i just had a knack for you know being successful during games and now as a you know i was a i was a good goalkeeper but not but I wasn't great. You know, I had a good trainer for a year. And after that, I just, uh, you know, thought it was like, okay, so I'm not going to get beat up by the football team. And because uh, I'm on, you know, I have a team, you know, so I'm not getting beat up by, by different, different, you know, guys and too, too skinny to be a football player, you know, didn't understand too small, too short to be a basketball player. And, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't, didn't petrified of a fastball. So it just, you know, made sense for me to stick with this thing. And, uh, and I, I think I just, it just clicked, you know, and, and, and my transition, I mean, like the transition from like high school, then all of a sudden playing club that kind of opened up my whole eyes because, you know, that year we had won state, you know, state tournament again. And then people asked me, Hey, we want you to play club with us. You know, do you want to do this? And that's the first time I ever played club soccer was, you know, starting in February of my freshman year is when I started playing club soccer for the first time. And, uh, and then it just kind of took off. And that's where I kind of made all the relationships that I had in terms of soccer. And I got an idea of what I could do with it. I was going to ask, so once you start realizing, like, I'm pretty good at this, um, people want me to be parts of their team. It, th is that part start growing and you start thinking maybe I can go to the next level like college, et cetera? Oh, are you kidding me? Nobody talked about college back then. <laughs> <laughs> that, that wasn't even like in my, in my wheelhouse, in my household, that wasn't like even a, a communication about, you know, like, Hey, this is college, you're going to go to work. And so, you know, I, I was, uh, I was, uh, an average student, like, uh, you know, 2.7 high school student because you know i 
I had other priorities in my life than school. My parents weren't really, you know, really didn't hold me to a standard in terms of high school, in terms of grades. Uh, I barely took my ACTs. Uh, you know, guidance counselors in high school didn't talk about going to college or anything like that. And so, you know, that wasn't even a conversation that, you know, kids had. If you're good, you're going to go because somebody was going to recruit you. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, my, my thought was, well, I'll just keep playing. And just because I like playing, I just like playing the game. And so, you know, coming out of high school, I had done well. I thought I was going to go to UNLV. That was like my dream is to go to UNLV. And they were very quick to point out that I wasn't at the level that they were looking for. And so, you know, I didn't had marginal grades. I didn't have a budget. I didn't have, you know, money saved up for college. My parents, you know, said that you're going to kind of have to do this on your own if you're going to go to college. And so I just stopped, you know, stopped looking for, for the opportunity to go into college. And I started working and, literally got lucky i was playing at a in a men's league game this store is kind of getting old i guess now it's like it's playing in a men's league game behind of a 7-eleven in the middle of nowhere and uh a college coach showed up named mike pants leon and uh and said because i took a gap year so he just showed up and said hey you know i'm starting a brand new program called the albapai college in uh in arizona do you have any interest and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I took, I took the brochure and when he left, I threw it away. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm so above a junior college. Uh, so then I worked all summer, did all my, you know, everything I'm supposed to be doing. And, and I'm then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what, this, this working thing sucks. I, I want to keep playing. And my family's like, hey, you got to start paying for rent if you're going to live here. I'm like, well, then I, I got to figure something out. So this is pre-internet. So trying to find someone's number pre-internet was impossible, right? So first of all, I couldn't even spell the name of the school. Uh, like, Yavip I didn't even know what that was. So it took me a while, you know, got a hold of enough operators in Arizona and trying to remember the name of this town. And then my buddy and I decided to drive. We called the coach. And he said, yeah, I'm still, you know, we're still recruiting. We're just starting the recruiting process for this new team. Come, come take a drive, come down here, take a look at the school. Let me know what your thoughts are. So we took a drive, took a chance on spring break, took a drive down there and it was awesome. We were like, oh, this is great. You know, there's people my age here. They're, they all hang out. Uh, where's the field? We, we don't have a field. Like, what do you mean? Like, there's no field. We're still trying to figure that out. Okay. Uh, what about scholarships? No scholarship for you. Okay. So I'm like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> right. So first year program, I didn't have a scholarship. Just took a gamble, took a chance. And the rest is kind of history, I guess. So has, has kind of taken risks. Has that been something you've always been? Is that kind of your makeup character wise or... Was that just a once in a, like a moon kind of move? You know, I, uh, so growing up in Sao Paulo, it, you know, you have moments where uh, if you're wearing a, a certain pair of shoes, you're going to probably get that stolen from you. 
uh, you know, if you're roller skating, you're probably going to get your roller skates stolen from you. If you have a nice ball, that's probably going to get taken from you from somebody. You know, my mom had been robbed, you know, by gunpoint and taxi cabs. And your, your life is a little different, right? And growing up in Brazil, coming, you know, and then coming to the U.S., you know, it's like, hey, who's this, you know, foreign kid? You know, let's let's give him some grief on a consistent basis. So, you know, you had you had to learn how to like fight a little bit and kind of figure out how to survive, right? And so, it's always been in my my makeup, I guess, to have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, and to, uh, you know, like not accept what the situation is, and and just try to figure it out, you know, like your street, your street sense and your street smarts, right. As much as you can based on, on my background and growing up in Vegas is, you know, when you, when you grow up in Vegas, it's a, it's a different life, you know, for a lot of kids. And so, you know, I take this chance at this junior college who had never played a game. Nobody even knows about anything. And, you know, within the first year we lost one game, uh, no, we, we went on, no, I think we went undefeated. Yeah, we went undefeated the first year, but there's like, because of some sort of conference rule, we couldn't go to the national tournament. Like our first game, we played the junior college national champions, Forest Park, and we beat them four to three. And the craziest stories, like we beat them four to three in Tucson, Arizona, and we actually had to go pick them up at the airport on our bus, you know, and our coach, Mike Pantaleon, he's like, don't tell anybody that you guys play soccer. Act like complete idiots. Right. So we're like, oh, how long have you guys been soccer balling? You know, and these kids from St. Louis are looking at us like what a bunch of clowns these guys are, you know, all wearing tie dye and Birkenstocks and whatever. So first game, you know, we beat them four to three, we defeat, you know, beat the defending national champions, number one team in the country, four to three. We go undefeated the first year. Second year, we lost one game. We won a national title. Uh, and then I was player player goalkeeper of the tournament and JCAA, you know, goalkeeper of the year. And uh, that kind of opened up some, some different things. I was going to say, so after all of that, what, what was some of the keys to being so successful? I mean, you don't hear a whole lot of programs that start one without a actual practice facility or a game field at the start, but end up with all that success. Was it just a, a group of guys that were just very, very good at soccer or was there more to it than that? I don't, you know, it was crazy. Like that, uh, that group of guys, the very first practice that we had, like in preseason, we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, holy cow, man, he's, you got a good team. <laughs> like we're really good and we're going to be really good. And it was like fun because every training session, and every game that we played in a squad game during preseason, you know, it was uh, it was like, man, this is like the best soccer we've ever played, you know. And we had all played like good teams, but just you know, back then there wasn't a lot of there wasn't just a lot of soccer out there for us, like in terms of being recruited as a different era. But we we're like, man, we're really good, and we're just like a bunch of misfits put together in the in the in the you know, the, the stories like, our, and we had a really good coach like Mike Pantaleon, uh, no, I mean the most analytical detail oriented coach I've ever had ever in my whole life. Like everything kept stats on everything, you know, use different sports, 
to 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 teach soccer like you know my whole concept of like a plus minus system of hockey into soccer like how to pick his lineups based on that and posted everything so it was always competitive and everything was out there and so he knew exactly what he wanted like what positions like what's the profile of these positions like he's really really good at knowing what he wanted and so i mean it was just like magical but off the field like we just it was so much fun, you know, like a bunch of derelict 19, 20, 20, 20 year olds all hanging out together in a dorm for the first time. And, you know, we kind of had to like protect each other because we're the new kids in the whole department and baseball was like, you know, they had won a couple of national titles and we just came in and just, just clicked. And so uh, those guys, I, I still am on like a text thread with them to this day, like 33 years later, like we still like razz each other and give each other a hard time. It's, it's special. It's unique. You mentioned doors opening up from the success there. Where does Andre, do you jump to another program? Uh, at yeah. That point? yeah, I got, I got really lucky. Cause uh, so at the, at the junior college national tournament, we had an unbelievable run you know, completely blindsided everybody because no one really knew who we were. It's the first year, you know, that we participated in the national tournament. Uh, we won the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I, I still thought I was going to go to UNLV. That was like my dream is to go back home and play there. And they're like, it's just not going to work, you know. And, and I didn't know anything about college soccer outside of outside of UNLV and UCLA and San Francisco and San Diego based on being on the West coast and, you know, Fresno state used to have an awesome program. That's, those are the only programs I knew about. And Arizona didn't have any, you know, Grand Canyon was the only four year school at the time or division two. So, I mean, I didn't know anybody. I just thought it was like, okay, it's going to be over. It's done. You know, I'm going to go home. And then, uh, all of a sudden I started getting some interest from the national tournament and, uh, UConn, uh, contacted me, a couple different schools contacted me, and we were sitting at a basketball game. Uh, and my coach comes blasting through the double doors and is like sprinting towards me. And I'm like, Oh man, what did I do today? You know, and he's like, Get over here now. And I'm like, Okay, so just in the middle of a basketball game, you know, I walk off the bleachers behind the basket, go into his office, and he's like, Jerry Eggley's on the phone right now for you. And I'm like, Who's Jerry Eggley? <laughs> and he's like it's indiana university you idiot and i'm like i i don't know anything about that you know like, like okay and so i get on the phone with coach yagley and you know he's the godfather of soccer mm -hmm. and most respective college coach you know on the men's side and you know he's like uh, andre this is jerry yagley how are you doing you know like just we one of our alums were at the national tournament and they saw you play and uh, we have a situation where uh, Jurgen Summers, our All-American goalkeeper, is graduating. And uh, we feel like you might be a good fit for us based on what you've done. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, and this didn't even have an idea of what was going on. And then I had gone to a visit to UConn. Uh, so it all set up like in the next two weeks. I was taking finals. And my two official visits were UConn and Indiana. And Joe Maroney, who was like, you know, an unbelievable coach in his own right, had won national championships at UConn and then uh, Indiana University. And I went to UConn on a visit 
and literally came back home, took one test, got on the plane, flew out to Indiana University and uh, fell in love with the Bloomington campus, but really had a great connection with Coach Agley and I. And, uh, and he was, he said, hey, this is what we have in terms of an offer. And I said, Coach, I just can't afford to go to college. I just don't have money. My parents, you know, are not supporting me. And he's like, I'll give me, he's like, give me 48 hours when you get home and I'll, I'll figure something out. And he did. And I went to IU on a incredible, <laughs> you know, athletic scholarship that I'll, I'll never forget. And uh, played for, you know, the, the most iconic program at the time. And uh, that was awesome. You mentioned Coach Yakely as the godfather of men's college soccer. What yep. was it? What was it about him? You talked about having a great connection with him. What makes him so, you know, held at such a high level, not beyond, beyond just the success that he's had in building that program? What was it about him that makes him, in your eyes, such a great coach? Well, you know, I uh, didn't have a massive, you know, father presence in my, in my youth. And so just his aura about him, like the, his ability to come in and command the room, his presence, you know, you're just, you're like, there's something that he exudes out there like leadership, right? And you, and, and the way he interacted with us and how he communicated with us and how he you know, he, he valued me as a person, as a, as a, and was interested, generally interested in me. Tell me your story. You know, who are you? What are you about? And I, like, I'll, I'll never forget that. And I, I still coach, you know, I call coach all the time, you know, I still call coach all the time and, and talk to him. And, and he's like my dad, right. To this day. And he's like, he's like that to every player that has come through there and graduated from there. And even guys that, left you still you know a, a big part of their lives but it's just his presence and this command and this confidence and this is like this is like a guy i would run through a wall for i would you know i would jump i would jump in front of a tank for him if if that was the case and the history behind the program and, and here's an interesting crazy stat for you is and we've gone back as alums besides coach yagley there's never been a full-time assistant coach or head coach at Indiana university that has not been an IU grad or an alum from the program, like a full-time staff volunteers, a little bit different, but a full-time staff member. So what does that tell you? This is 50 years. So May 19th to the 21st, we're going to be celebrating our 50th year as a program. So what does that tell you as a program, what that program means? The consistency. You know, the, the tradition of excellence that, uh, you know, that unwavering uh, idea of, we, you know, we're doing something bigger than just for us, it's for the program. Is his impact on you, is that what kind of sparks the idea of going into coaching itself for you? Yeah, you know, I, I felt like this is something, well, because he always had, we always had camps at IU and that was like a way for us to make money was to work camps in the summertime. And that's really how I got involved in coaching is that uh, I started working the camps and coach was like, you know, you're, you're actually good at this, you know, and you're, you have a really analytical brain in terms of the game and how you break things down. And you're really, you know, you're really big about the analytics of the game and, and the details. 
And so he's like, you know, if you, if you want to pursue this, you know, this is, I think something you can do. And then I, I got drafted to go play in the uh, CISL, which the indoor soccer league. And I was like in my tail, I like had one more semester of school and uh, you know, I got drafted and I'm like, well, should I go try this? And then I'm like, you know, uh, I, I think I'm going to come back and finish, you know, I'm going to try this out. And I came back and decided to finish my degree. So I came back to IU and coach said, Hey, you know, you're, you can come in and be an undergrad assistant and, uh, and help out with the goalkeepers if you want to. And so that's kind of how I got started with my college, you know, coaching experience was, was through uh, Indiana. And then I coached high school. I coached club done ODP you know, so I spent some time kind of, uh, you know, testing, testing things out. And then I got a call about a position at Washington State through a friend of mine. So then I went there on the women's side and 25 years later, you know, spent 25 years on the, on the women's side coaching Division One soccer. What are some of the – you mentioned earlier at being at one of your stops for 18 years um, – is that kind of taken back from like the Yeagley of building a tradition, a length um, type of thing that you stay the course and that there's consistency and, and what have you? Well, you know, yeah. Well, number one, I was, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't fired. So that, that was, that kind of helps out, you know, like, in, <laughs> cause, cause there were some bad years. I mean, we had some bad years, but I think people understood what I was trying to build and you know they they understood that and i got lucky with some really good understanding athletic directors through the good times and the bad times uh but i think the the biggest thing is that i always was a firm believer in like hey you know let's try to make this as green as possible instead of looking for something else and i love flagstaff i mean the the community itself was awesome i loved nau and you know i felt like hey this is this is something i can build and uh it, it took a while and then once we got it going it, it was a good we had a good run like the last 10 years were 11 years you now it, it was a good run so i just we built this brand new 156 million dollar facility over there it, it was just like we had all these things set in place for it to be great and uh got lucky on some years and you know it's like it's 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 all good, you know. It's all good, but love, lovely place. Good memories there. What What was it that kind of let you know that maybe it was time to move on, and maybe go into the like soccer recruiting? Like, when did you start thinking, you know, what maybe I want to take a break from the coaching you mentioned earlier, like all the grinds of not just watching, but constantly having to take notes, and you're constantly just thinking about where where could this player fit in my program and all that type of stuff? Because I think sometimes coaches struggle at times to say. Maybe I've kind of I'm at a point where maybe it's good better for me to move on rather than stay. Uh well my my father passed away the, the year before, my my stepdad who had been in my life for 30 years. Uh and then you know, I, I went through a divorce and I just remember sitting at home one time. It was like it was in 2018. You know, like I was sitting there and, and my niece said, hey, are you coming home for Thanksgiving? And I'm like, no, I got to go recruit at Surf Cup. And she's like, she said, like, you know, when when are we ever going to have you home? 
for any of the holidays. And then, you know, just kind of, just kind of hit. It's just like, you know, I'm doing this and the kids, you know, the kids always graduate and, uh, you know, they always move on, but I'm, you know, I'm still here doing the same thing. And I just got to the point where I just wasn't enjoying, you know, the day-to-day stuff. And I, you know, had really, we had a lot of turnover at the school in terms of athletic directors, you know, sports supervisors, strength conditioning coaches, athletic trainers, assistant coaches, different coaches. And I just got to a point where I just, you know, from a mental health standpoint, I was like, that's it. I'm done. I just don't have it in me. You know, it's becoming, you know, I didn't want to be, became edgy. And I'm like, it's time. It's time for me to just get out of this. This is, uh, this isn't as fun as it used to be. I like, I love training. I love games. I just didn't like the stress, the pressure, you know, like you, you come out of a game and you know that, you know, half, half of the parents that are in the stands staring you down, hate you. And the other half are happy. You win a championship and you still have people unhappy. And it's like, you know, the, the, the media gets, I mean, just, just time. It's just like, I just, it just wasn't for, for what the, for what the pay structure was like in terms of like, you know, in the amount of work that you put in, you look at the hourly rates, coaches talk about this all the time. It's 24 seven you know, the phone's always on and, and, you know, you're always there for, you know, you got to take a kid to the hospital. You got to do this. You got to do that. It's like, you're always on. And I just took a trip one time. I was like going to Spain often to go, you know, watch games and things like that. And I'm like, you know what, there's much more to life than just doing this. And so, yes, you know, you can, you can do coaching and it's great, but man, when you sacrifice a lot of family time, and, and you miss a lot of holidays and you miss deaths, you know, like not being, you know, my dad's side and stuff like that. And you're thinking, you know, like, I got to be at this game or I got to be here. And it's like, I got to the point where like, I just don't want to be, I don't want to, I don't want to have to be anywhere anymore. So then what, how does one end up at soccer recruiting USA? Well, in my, uh, in my, brief time i was coaching club here in vegas uh and i through my interactions with people in spain uh i started getting phone calls from people in spain saying hey we have these american kids in these uh academies in spain and these kids are not going to be pro can you help them get them back to the u.s and get them into colleges i'm like yeah let me you know let me fly out there and take a look at them because i like to travel so I'd go out, I'd go watch these kids. I'm like, yeah, these kids, you know, they're, they're good. Just a matter of them. They've been gone for a year and a half, two years. They just got to get reconnected. So, you know, I played some phone calls, made some things happen. So I had like five or six kids get placed. And then uh, Don Williams called me out of, you know, and I connected and he's like, Hey man, uh, do you know so-and-so at this school? I'm like, yeah, you have a phone number. Yeah, here you go. Then he call again. Hey, just uh, do you have another kid? Like, do you know have another number for this? I'm like, yeah, okay, here you go. And he's like, do me a favor, take a look at this kid, and you tell me what you think. I'm like, yeah, this kid, you know, can play. And what about this kid? I'm like, yeah, I don't know if he'll break. And all of a sudden, he's like, hey, do you want to work with us? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I really don't know. So he just kept pestering me and uh, kept giving me leads on kids. And he's like, look, you know, like 
you're going to be helping kids out and families out based on just your your background and your 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 understanding of the game and what the college recruiting process is like and you're pretty straightforward and honest i'm like okay so i started doing it part-time and then he's like you're really a natural in this and you're good at this and the families like you why don't you do this full-time and then he said you know you can travel whenever you want to you, you know give you all in north america to work with if you want to you know you you do what you want to do and so i took a chance and zero regrets i'm still going to games on weekends still watching soccer you know still still involved in the game just i'm now on this side of the table explaining to people what that other side of the table is going to look like the one thing you mentioned earlier um was the idea of like college wasn't part of like your family kind of outlook. Like it was, everybody gets done. We go work, we're hardworking, all that type of stuff. What was the transition like for you to make the decision of I'm going to start chasing the soccer dream and not just stick with the, you know, so-called workforce? (laughs) Uh, Well, number one, I didn't like having my parents tell me that I had to be home at a certain time. Uh, because I took a gap year, you know, and I'm like, you know, I just, I didn't even think about college. That was like, I had, so you're talking about influential peoples in your life, right? I had, uh, you know, Jerry Igley, obviously, uh, Mike Pantaleone at Yavapai College, but I had a, I had a high school coach named uh, Randy Minigill, who had won like seven, he's, he's in the Hall of Fame here in Nevada. Uh, he wrote in my senior year book, uh, less parting, more studying will equal four years of free school. And then I had my senior year, I had a teacher, her name was Bobby Cartwright. She was an English teacher and uh, unbelievable teacher. And, and she said to me, she's like, you know, if you quit pretending that you're stupid all the time, you might, might make something really great out of yourself because you're, you're a good communicator, you're you know, you're, you're a good writer. Start using your brain and stop trying to be cool and stupid and make people laugh. So I kind of took that like a, like a challenge. And, uh, and so I'm like, okay, maybe I can do this, you know. And my senior year, my last, my last semester of high school, I pulled off like a 3.8, which I which probably braised out 2.5 to 2.7, right? And so I thought, well, maybe I can do college. And then I was watching everybody else go to college and I was working and that kind of sucked, you know? And so when I see everybody in the holidays, they come back and I talk about college and how cool it is and how much fun they had and what their experience, like whether they're an athlete or not, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I'm at a warehouse, you know, printing t-shirts and, driving through alleys at the hotels, delivering them, you know, to the, there had to be a little bit, something more to it. And then I just wanted to play at the end of the day. It wasn't about the scholarship. It wasn't about going to college. I just wanted to play. I just wanted to play at the highest level I could possibly play. And if it worked out, it worked out. If it didn't, it didn't, but I just wanted to play. What was it like? The one thing that I've heard kind of throughout is mom. How impactful has she, like you talked about being in Brazil and it's not exactly the safest place at times, depending on, you know, what you had on and all that type of stuff. And she's dealt with some things and then moving you, you know, from Italy over and now to the States. Um, 
what have you, I guess, personally taken from what you've seen your mom do and go through that you've kind of incorporated into what you are now? You talked about the chip on your shoulder earlier. Um, she seems to be kind of like a real big, strong kind of force in your life. So my mom was born in uh, 1943 uh, in Czechoslovakia, you know, Nazi occupied Czechoslovakia across the street from, you know, where she was born, like this little village, it was a Nazi hospital, you know, so as a small child, she was, you know, grew up in that. And she went from one occupied, you know, one occupation to the next one, which was the Soviets coming in occupying, you know, Czechoslovakia. And, you know, and I think about my mom and like in 1968, she, uh, she basically had to leave Czechoslovakia because she had written a, my mom's a polyglot, a multilinguist as well. And she had helped write a pro-democracy piece uh, by an Italian, with an Italian magazine about Alexander Dubček, who was trying to do this uh, pro-democracy, you know, like this democratic socialism in Czechoslovakia. And, you know, the Soviets had, you know, had zero, zero tolerance for that. And so my mom got a phone call uh, w with me, you know, in, in tow as a, as a, in the womb, uh, like, Hey, you got to get out because the Russian tanks are coming in. The Soviet tanks are coming in. The Warsaw Pact tanks are coming in and your name's on the list and you got to go, you know, otherwise you're going to get jailed. And so my my mom had met my dad in Italy on vacation and, you know, and then she's like, okay, I guess I'm going to Italy, you know? So she left that. And so my mom's been like this just survivor, like what she's gone through, like what she's been around and what she's had to do to survive. has been pretty incredible. And so like, you know, even to this day, I like kind of marvel at the things that she's gone, she's gone through and she's like the ultimate optimist, you know, she's like, oh, it is what it is, you know, like that's like her, <laughs> right? And so like, I remember once, like my senior year, I got benched in Indiana, like the, towards the end of the year, I got benched and I wasn't playing well. And I called home and like, you know, I was like pay phone. And I'm like, you know, this sucks. And she's like, do you think Jerry Yeagley wants to lose a game? I'm like, what? She's like, the man's paying for your school. Do you think he wants to lose a game? Like they win championships there. I'm like, no. So like, well, just shut up and just go work harder. <laughs> what do you say to that? What do you say to that as a, as a, as a, as a kid, right? You're like, all right. That's, I mean, that's just hard truth logic, right? Like just go get after it. I'm like, okay, that's kind of puts it, but you know, like I've always, uh, you know, I've always kind of taken that, that chip on, on my shoulder, like, Hey, you know, it's like, it's the whole, you know, it's, it's uh us versus the world kind of mentality. That's always how it was with my mom and I growing up. And, uh, and, you know, now she's, now she lives in Czechoslovakia again, you know? And so, uh, so it's, it's that those humble beginnings, I guess, and seeing some of those, the, the craziness of the world, uh, I, I try to tell that to kids now. I'm like, man, unless you, you, you think your life is bad, right? For like majority of kids here in this country that are playing youth soccer, I'm like, you, you don't even know, you know, if you, if you, you went to some countries and you owned the bladder of a soccer ball, you're like super rich, you know, wealthy. 
and everybody wanted to be your friend. Everybody always wanted to be the friend of the kid that had a soccer ball, mm-hmm. right? And here we just kind of take it for granted, like, you know, oh, you know, we complain about this. I'm like, man, you don't understand how, how, how rich you are in the eyes of so many kids across the world based on what you personally have. And so that was the other thing too, why I kind of got out of college coaching. I'm like, hey, you guys don't even, you know, we have it pretty good. <laughs> you know, you, you got it pretty good here. Last thing to kind of wrap this up is as you look forward, do you have aspirations or goals of, of kind of just taking this recruiting thing and building on it? Are you just kind of going with the flow and enjoying the experience, traveling, getting to watch games, helping uh, parents and players become better educated about the recruiting process and connect them with the right schools and all that type of stuff? Um, is there part of you that is there something else that you look at and go, I'd really like to give this a try or what, what's ahead for Andre? Well, I think there are really, I mean, anything in life, you have some really bad actors, you know, in, in the world of, you know, co- you know placements. Like the, I, I used to be the guy that would delete anything, an email that would come in from an agency. I would just delete it. Right. Because no one really knew what I was going through. And I would ask, you know, hey, what is it? You know, no one can tell, like, oh, this kid's a great player. He'll be a great fit for your program. I'm like, okay. Uh, or she's going to be a great fit for your play, you know, for your program. I'm like, well, have you ever seen us play? And they go, no. Have you seen the kid play? No. I'm like, so how do you know that kid's a good fit for my program? So I want to bring as much, uh, you know, as much credibility to the company and industry as we can. Right. And that's why we have, we have a lot of college coaches that work with us which is great. And, you know, like as an invite only company, we're pretty selective, but we're also really straightforward and upfront with kids and families in the front end of things. And if they don't agree with it, that's fine. You know, like it is what it is, but I I just want to bring some credibility to this side of the industry. And, you know, at the end of the day, I I just want these families that I help place, you know, 10 years from now, go, Hey, you know, they're still, they're still talk to me. They still text me and they still message me and say, Hey, how's life going? Thank you. So, you know, like just something like build those relationships and, and see those kids thrive and succeed. I think that's where maybe that part of my, like the, the empath and the person that wants to give back, I think that's how I can get back. Uh, and then, you know, if I can, uh, if I can figure out how to make a uh, youth soccer free, I would make uh, that, that's that's my long term goal is to figure out how to change the the course of uh, youth sports in this country because it's uh, it's kind of out of hand. That's a perfect way to shut this chat down. This is Kieran with Coach's Corner Chess with Andre Luciano, and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.